For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Kansas City Sports with Darren Smith. I am, of course, your host, Darren Smith, and we are back once again. This week, we are going to preview the Kansas City Chiefs uh, game against the Tennessee Titans. This game will take place in Nashville, Tennessee at Nissan Stadium. Kickoff is at noon central, local time in Kansas City as well as the as in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. With me I have another very special guest. This is a very special guest uh, that you know you just don't hear too often. You don't get a chance to hear on a lot of podcasts except for maybe his on. Uh and we'll give him a chance to you know push that and everything else. But with this now I have one of the voices of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is a former uh player for the Kansas City Chiefs played for them for six seasons. He's a wide receiver and a special teams player. He is Danon Hughes. And uh, Danon, and of course, you can listen to Danon Hughes along with Mitch Holtis on the Chiefs Radio Network uh, over in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, just all over. So uh, wherever you have your mobile your mobile phone or computer or you're just in your vehicle out driving around and you want to hear some Chiefs football and you want to hear someone with the experience and the knowledge that can call the game and analyze it uh, along with Mitch Holtis, this is the man that you get a chance to listen to Mr. Danon Hughes. Danon, thank you so much for joining me on the Believe Podcast with me. Thanks a lot for having me, man. I appreciate it. This is uh, this is going to be fun. It's always good to talk Chiefs with you. You and I get to have random conversations every now and again. So to get on your podcast, this is fun, man. I appreciate the invite. I, I will say this before we get started, and I do want people to know that um, I actually look forward to, you know, now, and, and I know we both do, I know me more so than you, uh, enjoy the travel aspect of, of what we do. And, you know, I tell people that literally the first person I see when I get to the visiting team's uh, press box is you. And so, and so, <laughs> so when I walk to door, because I generally like to get there early, so of course, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, I don't like traffic and I like to see what they got to eat and try to get everything set up for, for um, you know, for our live streams and stuff. And so, Knowing, knowing that I see you, one, I know I'm in the right spot. Two, I know there's a friend there. And, and three, I know if I have any questions, boom, you're right there to answer them. Before we get started, um, you know, I would like for you to, you know, let people know how you came about becoming, uh, you know, one of the voices of the Kansas City Chiefs. I know I know we've had discussions uh, yeah. prior to the announcement, and, and I know probably outside of your immediate family and your closest friends, I think I was probably one of the most happiest uh, people uh, to you know, when, when I got word, or when you told Appreciate me that you it. were were the official uh, uh, person that that they brought on to replace Kendall Gammon. So, talk about that right quick before we get into obviously the preview. Yeah, it's definitely been a blessing, not only to be in the broadcast, a national broadcast, but to be for one of my for, my former team and being in the town that I live in. So it was unexpected. Uh, Len Dawson, Kendall Gammon for many years, did an outstanding job in the booth with Mitch going back to my playing days. And um, I just had grinded, as you may know, up 
up the ladder in regards to broadcasting during my football career and after my football career. So I had a radio show, a weekly show with Sean Tyler uh, during the last two seasons. I was in the NFL. As soon as I retired in 99, I got an opportunity to start doing high school uh, games, broadcasting from the booth, uh, studio shows on Metro Sports, now Spectrum Sports. Then that kind of graduated into guest spots on radio and opportunities to be on the Big Ten Network and so on. And uh, for many of the, the people watching and listening, uh, baseball, as you can see right here, baseball is my, is my favorite sport. That's, that's really uh, number one with football being even a further down number two. Uh, so I got my opportunity into college baseball. And, you know, I'm one of not many, if any, around the, the nation that are color analysts for three major sports in college and professional sports. So uh, that's something that I, I kind of uh, am proud of, especially be, being a black man and having that ability to, to be versatile and, and participate in, in college basketball, college football, college baseball, as well as the Chiefs broadcast. But in, in regards to getting this job, you know, as Lenny was getting older, I used to just see Dan Israel and Mitch and I'd say, hey, if there's a time where 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 Len is feeling under the weather or, you know, something happens where you need an emergency emergency fill in, just keep my name handy. You know, no big deal. I'm already doing pregame postgame shows already around the facility, around the stadium with the chiefs ambassadors uh, and so on. And so I was surprised that I know Kendall did a, a great job. He was a broadcast that brought us our first Super Bowl in 50 years. And uh, Kendall was a former teammate of mine when I was with the Saints. So I've known Kendall since 99. And um, I thought he did a, a really good job, uh, but they wanted to move in a different direction. And they called me out of the blue. And so I sent them over some, some clips that I had from college football and some pregame shows and studio shows. And, uh, and then lo and behold, a few months later, as, as you and I talked about in the past, they called me and said, hey, we got, you're down to the final two. I said, final two or what? <laughs> I, I didn't even know what to, well, I didn't even know my name was in the running for anything. So then it just kind of things transpired from there. And I got a chance last year in 2020 season for that to be my first season with the Chiefs broadcast. So this 2021 season is the second season the first season that we're traveling. So uh, it's a different different vibe, obviously, than last year during the pandemic, but I'm having a blast. Well, and you did a great job, and, you know, I've told you that many times, and so I'm not going to say that just because you're on Thank it, you. But, but, you, <laughs> but you have done a great job. Uh, before, we, before we look at this game, just your quick thoughts. I know we were in uh, D.C. last week. What were your thoughts on the Chiefs' 31-13 victory over the Washington football team, especially knowing that it was a tale of two halves? Yeah, I think that's the main thing that came out is it was a tale of two halves. And I think there's a one perspective that you can look at and say how dismal the first half was. But I think there's a positive spin that when you change things around, you make necessary halftime adjustments and you come out and dominate the way they did. I think that's that's a huge feather in the cap of Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo and Eric Bieniemy for them to be able to flip things around, especially after how the first half ended with that crazy interception and the, the other interception earlier off of Tyreek's hands, uh, I think it could have gone either way. I mean, teams could feel sad for themselves. They could feel bad. And next thing you know, it's the middle of the fourth quarter and there's no way to come from under the water. 
but they flipped it around. And I thought they played probably their best half of football in that second half. But let's face it, the Washington football team is a lesser team. Um, they are not at the level of the Chiefs. Uh, the fact that all of those things went wrong and they were still only down by three points in, in the first half tells you something about their team as well as ours. And um, we just got to recognize and build off of that. And I thought that's, there's some, there were some really, really good things in the second half that I'm looking forward to seeing if they can carry into this next game against the Titans. Our very special guest on Believe in Kansas City Sports with Darren Smith is one of the voices of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Danon Hughes. Uh, Danon, this week, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they will face the Tennessee Titans. The last time these two teams played was in the AFC Championship game where the Chiefs uh, came from behind. I believe it was 10-0. And, of course, they mm-hmm. went on that uh, magical ride along the way to win the Super Bowl in 2019. Uh, now, the last time these two teams played in Nashville, however, uh, things didn't turn out so well for Kansas City. They 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 lost uh, towards the towards the end of the ball game, thirty five to thirty two. And in that game, quarterback Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes that came back from injury mm-hmm. for an astounding four hundred forty six yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked twice, however, but obviously the beast himself, Derrick Henry, twenty three carries, one hundred eighty eight yards and two touchdowns. One of the difference makers, of course, Ryan Tannehill played well in that particular game as well. When we look at this matchup here, Tennessee is coming off of that Monday night uh, win against the Buffalo Bills, who was coming off of a big Sunday night win against the Kansas City Chiefs just the week before. When you look at this matchup, uh, just overall, before we dive into it, what makes you nervous? What makes you confident about this game? Uh, well, anytime you face a running back like Derrick Henry, you got to be a little bit nervous because the basic tackles, the, the form tackling that might work against many other backs pro- probably won't work against him. And he can make you pay for error and technique and not rally tackling. I thought, well, when you go back to the Washington football game, the thing that I noticed about the defense in the second half is that you saw multiple helmets around guys. You saw multiple hits on ball carriers. And that's something they're going to have to carry in. There's not going to be one guy that's going to bring down Derrick Henry. So if they don't have speed to the sidelines, you don't have guys doing uh, wrong, using wrong technique, uh, you're, going to, you're in for a long day. And I remember Derrick Henry, I want to say he had something like a 60-something yard run for a touchdown against the Chiefs in that game, uh, broke up the middle and um, broke out in, in, a, you know, in a long dash. He did that again this past week against the Bills yeah. for a long run. That was a huge chunk of his yardage. Uh, not saying that he didn't, you know, that the numbers are skewed, but you just can't allow him to have that kind of big run because what that does is also opens up the door for play action where when you have A.J. Brown and you got Julio Jones, two of the bigger wide receivers in the game, you don't want to leave those guys too wide open in man-to-man coverage against smaller defensive backs. So I think they're a physical team. To answer your question, I think the thing that concerns me is that they're physical on offense, they're physical on defense, they have a typical defensive head coach's mentality with Vrabel there where they're just going to be physical and they're going to try to wear you down and and hope that you make mistakes. And uh, so, yeah, I think the Chiefs have their hands full. Uh, Nashville, that Tennessee Titans organization, that stadium is going to be raucous. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be fun to watch, but we're going to have our hands full. 
I know a lot of Chiefs fans are looking to go down there. I think this is what they call a takeover type game where, they, mm-hmm. where they're looking to take over the city. So obviously whiskey roll, you know, <laughs> you know Chiefs, Chiefs fans and alcohol, two things that don't really mix. So we'll see how that takes over between Saturday and Sunday. But look, Patrick Mahomes, he still leaves the league with 18 touchdowns. Uh, but the team, though, and we'll look at it both offensive on the offensive side of the ball for Kansas City and what mm-hmm. they will need to do against the Tennessee Titans defense. Now, this is just my opinion. Um, you know, got a chance to talk with, with Patrick and Andy earlier this week um, uh, at their presser. And, you know, look, they, they, they both, just like you, expressed concern and admiration for Derrick Henry. I think it's going to be imperative for this offense, even though Andy loves to defer to the second half. I think this is one of those games where, you know, if you're not careful, if you're Andy Reid, you might want, if you win the coin toss, elect to go first and allow your offense to set the tone. Because if you're able to do that, you, you know, especially if you can score, get a touchdown on them early and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe, you know, the defense can, can get a three and out and you can come back and score again. You can take Derrick Henry methodically out of the game plan because that'll force him to throw your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can worry so much, in my opinion, about what happens in the first half of that game, except you're right, setting the tempo. But I think the main reason why teams defer to the second half is because they put themselves in a position to get two consecutive possessions, yeah. at the one at the end of the first half and then opening the second half, and then being able to set the tempo in the second half. So... I've, you know, outside of really, really dismal weather that you may see in Buffalo and Green Bay where teams are, are opting to do that, very rarely would you see uh, not defer. And then also you don't know how the wind will play a factor. So that okay. picking the, the end of the field where you're going to kick and so on. But I do like the idea. It doesn't Just because we may or may not get the ball first doesn't mean that we don't have to have that, that mindset of setting the tempo. Um, with this team, if you talk about giveaways and takeaways, we are last in the NFL in giveaways on offense. But amazingly, we're second in the NFL in total yardage. So could you imagine, you and I spoke about this the other night, could you imagine how good this team wa- would be and how efficient or how proficient they would be on offense if they just had half of the turnovers that they've had, which, are very, which is very reasonable. You're talking about three of Patrick Mahomes' interceptions are direct correlation to going off of a receiver's hands that is very catchable balls. So if you just took those three away. Yeah, and and, and then if you take away the two that he should have just taken the sack on, Baltimore and and Washington, then yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? So just taking – let's not even – I know a lot of people always like to say, well, the what-ifs. Well, you know, in this situation, if you just take away three, maybe five, like you said, of his interceptions – how different this team would be. We'd probably be five and one. We would, there probably wouldn't be, I mean, we wouldn't be any higher or lower in yardage and offense and so on. We probably would have helped our defense a little bit to put them in more predictable situations where they can blitz and pressure the quarterback instead of these close games where they have to play the run and the pass late in the fourth quarter. Um, So I think you, that's, that's kind of the optimistic way I'm looking at it because I have to believe, and I think Chiefs fans have to believe, Andy Reid's teams are never teams that stay at the bottom echelon in in giveaways. Patrick Mahomes has never been a quarterback that has given the ball away. We really, based on the metrics, based on history, we really can't expect this. It would be a total surprise to everybody in the football world 
if we go 17 games and have the similar kind of output in regards to giveaways like we have at this point. So it's only going to get better. And I think that's going to help this defense. And like you've heard me say, I don't want to be the best team in week five and week six. I want to be the best team in week 15, you know, with some momentum going into the playoffs. And as long as this Chiefs team continues to grow, they get some guys back off of out of the training room. Uh, you got Charvarius Ward, a full participant this week. You got Frank Clark, a full participant. You got Chris Jones, a full participant. Now, there'll probably be game time decisions. You lose Anthony Hitchens. So we may get to see the young bucks at the linebacker position a little bit more. So I think there's a lot. There's the game within the game. There's the other yeah. aspects of this game that'll make it fun to watch. Yeah, those are, of course, the, the, the you know, the chess movements uh, that mm-hmm. Indy will be doing leading up to kickoff. Uh, look, one of the other concerns that I, that I always have about the offense deferring and whatever is that, again, knowing, knowing where our defense is and knowing how they've played, you know, um, I'm thinking they could use all the help that they could possibly get, you know, to, <laughs> without spending so much time on the field. Because, look, if I'm if I'm the opposing coach and and I'm looking at Kansas City on film, the first thing I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at, of course, they're having a hard time tackling, they're having a hard time stopping and, and making you know making the type of uh, contact that you you know that you need the first contact, and you can beat them at the line of scrimmage. So this is just me. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm definitely. I'm definitely going to be, you know, if I get the ball first, I'm going to be looking to run Derrick Henry as much as I can, obviously, you know, with what the defense is able to give up. And, of course, you got A.J. Brown on the outside along with Julio Mm -hmm. Jones if he's healthy. Uh, And then, you know, you don't have to do big play, quick, you know, quick strikes like Kansas City likes to do. You can can work 10, 12, 15-yard drive down the field and still get the same result. But what that does for Kansas City, as I've seen, Kansas City, if they're down, which generally they are uh, uh, early in the ball game, they're down six nothing, seven nothing, eight zero, depending on who they're playing. Well, the mindset is now we've got to hurry up and score. Not that we just have to come back and try to score and have no matter many plays it takes. They just feel like they have to hurry up and score. And then what happens is, you know, Patrick might be able to score early on in you know three, four, five plays. But what happens, Danon? You put the defense right back out there. And so, and so, mm-hmm. so that offense sees that okay, we can methodically walk down the field again. But what you're also doing, you're limiting the possession and the time of possession that Patrick has in that particular quarter or half, uh, to where to where now you're forcing the offense to kind of speed up their offense, and then that's where you can get those kind of mistakes that Patrick has had throwing those interceptions. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I think there's there's a school of thought for that, but we also have to recognize the Chiefs are number one in the NFL at ten plus drives. So 10-plus play drives, they have 12. They're number one in the league. So there's this mindset because we have the speed of Tyreek Hill, the, 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 the versatility and the playmaking ability of Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league, that we're scoring on six-play drives. Yeah, that happens from time to time. But for the most part, we move the ball down the field and we take up a lot of time doing it. Uh, you go back to the Washington football game, when it was necessary, we got the ball with 10 minutes, 32 seconds left in the, in the game. We used up over seven minutes on one drive that was capped off by Darrell Williams' touchdown to seal the game. So, yeah, you'd love to have the touchdown to seal the game, but I think you're right in regards to not giving the team, the other team, the ball quickly and putting your defense in position to uh, have their backs against the wall, just like they did against the Bills just a week ago. So 
Um, I think there's the misnomer that we're a quick strike offense and that's all we lean on. But I also recognize that like, if you're the Tennessee Titans, you'll defer. There's a, there's a definitely a school of thought of deferring to the second half or hoping that your defense comes out because if you are able to stop that offense, that's going to ignite the crowd. That's going to ignite your sideline on just the first drive of the game. And then if you can turn around and, and I, I believe, and you heard it first here, I believe the first play for the Tennessee Titans will be a play action pass to AJ Brown or Julio Jones. They're just going to like most people would think we're going to pack the box. We're going to focus on Derrick Henry and they're going to fake the ball to Derrick Henry and they're going to throw the ball down the field one-on-one coverage on the outside because they think that that's what we are focusing on. That's the game within the game. Like you said, the chess match. Um, but I, I just like that we stay true to ourselves. and being true to ourselves is we're going to defer. And if you happen to defer, you win the coin toss, we're going to drive down the field and score. That's what we do. And if you heard, and you did obviously heard all of the coaches comments, all the players comments before the Washington football game, Everything was about them. They very rarely talked about Washington football team. Now, now that, wasn't about a, that wasn't a slight to the Washington football team, but I think what, what we're seeing is kind of a transformation in their minds in game mode, getting in the zone of we control our own destiny as a team and not necessarily about what the other team does. Now, they got to acknowledge the best running back in the game in Derrick Henry. And they got to acknowledge the, the, the history of Julio Jones and the size and nature of he and A.J. Brown. But other than that, everything is about what we do. And I think that's the culture that Andy and Eric and Steve present to this team. And to me, what they do is we defer and we're going to try to stop you. And we're going to and if if at all possible or if it's all necessary, you better outscore us because we're going to put up 30 plus points. The Kansas City Chiefs come into this game leading the all-time series twenty-seven to twenty-three. But shockingly, this is one of the this is one of the ball clubs that Andy Reid has a very very bad record. He's only twenty percent against uh, the Tennessee Titans. He's two he's two he's two wins, eight losses against the Tennessee Titans. Dana Hughes joining me on the Believe in Kansas City Sports with Darren Smith podcast right now. And looking at this, Daryl Williams, of course, uh, he he. Uh, made his first start in the regular season for the Kansas City Chiefs in place of Clyde. It was hilarious. Uh, your thoughts, he had 89 scrimmage yards last week, two touchdowns. Your thoughts on what he should be able to do in this game against the Titans? Oh, I've, I've always liked Darrell Williams. I like the story. I think it's a great story yeah. in the NFL to go, you know, kind of rags, rags to riches, you know, undrafted, grinding a team that seems to always try to find somebody to replace you whether it's drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire, whether it's bringing on Le'Veon Bell, whether it's bringing on Shady McCoy, it always seems like he is walking uphill with, you know, with boots full of concrete in them. And yet he finds a way to contribute. So I think it's a great story for this organization that you have that kind of guy out there that's doing that kind of work. And I like his running style. I think it lends itself truly to the blocking scheme. He's very patient. But he's also a thumper. He does, he's not looking to bounce things. He's looking to get shoulders downhill between the tackles and fall forward. All great running backs, if you look through history, all great running backs have one knack. They have a knack of falling forward. So if you watch this game, watch Darrell Williams when he, when he gets hit. 
Is he falling forward or finding a way to f- where his helmet is facing the goal line, or is he falling backwards where his would look up at the sky? That's a true testament to a really good running back that has a good lower uh, lower gravity, lower uh, center of gravity, and knows how to push forward. Because you're always going to get that extra half a yard. And I, that's kind of his mindset. Uh, so I really like – I've always liked his compliment to whether it was Damian Williams, whether it's been Clyde Edwards-Alaire, whoever it's been, I've always liked him as that complimentary back. And I think he fits in well. And he, and he really relishes the opportunity uh, to be able to start. Hearing him in the press conference talk about the experience on draft day with his mother – and them crying on each other's shoulders. Yeah. Like, this is not a guy that's been, you know, had a silver spoon, football spilled silver spoon in his mouth. He's been a guy that's really felt like um, I'm blue collar. I am, you know, that's, that's the work ethic. And I think the offensive linemen really appreciate that kind of running style and that kind of personality behind them. So he catches the ball well. I think, I think he can have, relatively to me, in Andy Reid's offense, unless you have – one breakaway run. If you look, Damian Williams in the Super Bowl, Damian Williams uh, with the big run, I want to say that was, was that against Tennessee where Tyreek ran him down a few years? Um, <laughs> you know, though outside of the, you take away the big run of the game, most of Andy Reid's running backs in history have been 89 yard guys. They're like 80 yard guys. So if we don't have the luxury of getting a big run, I expect his numbers to be pretty similar, 80 to 90 yards, uh, total offense, catching the ball and running the ball downhill because we got the best player on the planet and Patrick Mahomes. So you're going to have the ball in his hands more than anybody else. The Chiefs last week against the Washington football team, they made some changes to the starting lineup. Uh, and we'll get to the defensive side in just a moment. But Mike Rimmers uh, stepped in in place of Lucas Niang uh, <laughs> in, at the right tackle, mm-hmm. you know, what were your thoughts on that? You know, not whether or not you were a fan of it, because I, I think obviously uh, he would have been the starter had he not gotten injured during training camp and stuff like that. So Lucas Niang did well while he was there. Of course, he did. He did struggle a little bit against the Buffalo Bills and and, and even the game beforehand. So uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. So what were your thoughts on Rimmers going back and 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 how you think the the other rookies, Creed Humphreys, along with uh, Trey Smith, have filled in and fit? with this new offensive line, which includes Orlando Brown and Joe Thune. So in regards to your first question about Mike Remmers, and I wish we had film because, I, you know, you know, I, I like to dissect the film and show everything, how things transpire, because yeah. it's really like a work of art when you watch really good plays on film. But I'll give you an example. Mike Remmers, the, one of the differences between Lucas Niang and Mike Remmers is the ability to continue to block through the whistle. Through the echo of the whistle is what I used to be coached from Marty Schottenheimer. You block through the echo of the whistle, not just to the whistle. And if you look at a couple of Patrick Mahomes' runs against the Washington football team, he escaped right between the guard and tackle, and he was able to scamper downfield for 10-plus yards on multiple occasions. Now, the reason why he's able to do that isn't because there's pressure and he has to scramble. It's because... Mike Remmers has an ability to usher that defensive end way outside and back behind Patrick Mahomes to where Patrick, like a a truck, could drive through that hole, and he realizes that. So Lucas Niang, the difference was with him is that he would run that defensive end outside, but then he would lose him. 
and you would see Max Crosby. You would see uh, uh, Rousseau, uh, Derek Rousseau from the Bills. You would see uh, uh, Miles Garrett. You would see Jadavion Clowney. These defensive ends, all they would do is run way upfield and then, fo- then spin back around and be able to put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. So you have to have a tackle that's just going to continue to mirror you around and just basically run you in a circle. And that's what Mike Remmers does in the passing game. It's also interesting that the run game, the two touchdowns were designed runs to the right side in the red zone. Now, Darrell Williams cut back to the left on the second one, but everybody's push was to the right. So that tells you how much confidence they have in Mike Remmers and his run blocking. But I, I think the biggest attribute that he brings is his ability to move defensive ends out. And like guys like Neil Smith, they'll tell you about running that hoop. Right? Like, a, like that's what they practice. They put a hula hoop on the ground and they have defensive ends run around the hoop because that's the angle that they want to run on the edge towards a quarterback. Well, if you know, it's not rocket science. If you know that that's what they want to do, how do you block that? You let them run the hoop, but you stay connected to them all the way around the hoop. And um, so that secures the pocket, and that's going to change the way defenses design in pressuring Patrick Mahomes because if you're not going to be able to get away with that, you're not going to have any success. So I think Mike Remmer's addition, uh, you gave Lucas Niang a chance, but I think he's going to be better for this. And, I, you know, there's the school of thought that the only way you can learn in the NFL is by being on the field. No. That's not the only way you can learn. Lucas Niang is learning valuable lessons sitting on the sideline watching Mike Remmers play, and we're going to be a better offensive unit for it down the road. You know, and, and look, and to that point also, obviously because because he's played what he started five games, and, 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 and I'm not sure, I can't remember whether or not he had any snaps in last week, I don't think he did, but the fact that he's got on-field experience uh, mm-hmm. Along with along with now, now you get to learn from the side and watch and watch his technique and stuff, you know, because you will end up back in that position as long as Orlando Brown is on the other side. You will be back at that right tackle. So you need to, like you said, learn from the sidelines and, and, and pick up, pick up, pick up some of the secrets and some of the traits that he's doing that has made him successful uh, during his time here in Kansas City. Also, of course, look, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, as you mentioned before, Tyreek Hill, injury pretty much has given him the week off because of uh, of that uh, quad contusion that he had. Yeah. So, of course, you want him well-rested. You want him, you know, as best as he can leading into this ballgame because you know that you're going to expect a lot from him. If I remember correctly, last time uh, uh, in that game, uh, actually, in, in that game, Tyreek Hill had a 11 catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. So so yeah. he had a big game as well. Um, when you look at this offensively and, and, this, and these wide receivers, what is, you know, what do you, how do you expect them to handle the pressure and handle the defense of the Tennessee Titans based off of just what we saw Monday night against the Buffalo Bills in that offense? Yeah, I saw some physicality on their defense. Uh, you know, they're not big number guys. If you look at their stats, they're not a tops of the NFL or the AFC in many categories. They're pretty average. I mean, you know, they're 24th in yards against. Uh, you know, they're 27th in yards per play. So they are a team that can give up some chunk plays. We saw that with the Buffalo Bills. But you also saw the never-die mentality. Many teams would have given up that quarterback sneak at the end. They wouldn't have had that kind of 
kind of push and that kind of playmaking on fourth and one with two yards to go, one for a first down, where against a quarterback like Josh Allen, they wouldn't have just folded. So you know there's some resilience with that defense, and that takes on the mindset of Mike Vrabel as a defensive coach. Uh, but, you know, they, they are not very good at takeaways. They've only taken the ball away five times. So they're less – they've taken the ball less away – or taken the ball away less than we have. Um, so they're not as opportunistic, but they are resilient. So I kind of feel like it may not be about error in throws. Bayard leads the team with three interceptions at the safety position. I don't know if it's going to be about bad throws from Patrick Mahomes, more so than those guys making us earn every single point we put on the board. Look, and, and obviously we know Mike Rabel is known for coaching and known for defense because mm-hmm. uh, he comes from the Belichick school, and of course he used to play for Bill Belichick. Um, obviously, the you know the, the the key the key component or the key chess match in this ball game is going to be the Tennessee Titans offense versus Kansas City Chiefs defense. Now, in the AFC Championship game leading up to it, uh, Frank Clark you know talked about you know <laughs> talked about um, um, we talked he, well, he talked about Derrick Henry and said that he wasn't going to you know. <laughs> he wasn't going. He, he wasn't going to run wild this time around. Yeah. And to his credit, you know they they um they contained him. Sixty nine yeah. yards. He did have a touchdown. So he he didn't have the big game that he had in Nashville. Of course, again the world saw what he did Monday Night Football. So you do have momentum coming into this ball game. But also, ESPN showed a, a a very interesting stat that you don't see too often in running backs, especially someone of his ilk. Doesn't do much in the first in, in the first quarter, maybe one to two yards. Second quarter, maybe two yards. Fourth quarter, four. I mean, uh, third quarter, four, four, four yards a carry. But in that, but in that fourth quarter in overtime, he averaged six yards a carry. So you know, we generally talk about well, he, he doesn't he doesn't have the, a lot of big plays early on, but he builds up to it, and mm-hmm. he builds up to it, and then with the number of carries and that big body, you know, hitting, you know, look. Look, you know, obviously, you know, when the Chiefs had Christian Okoye and Barry Ward mm-hmm. and then, you know, uh, leading up to uh, uh, Kimball Anderson and others and t- uh, Tony Richardson. I mean, you, you got when, when you when you when you start wearing, you know, wearing on that defense and you keep leaning on and you pounding them full speed sooner or later, somebody's going to miss a tackle. And and one of the <laughs> things that, of course, again. Kansas City, they haven't been they haven't been good tacklers this, this season thus far. You know, Dan Sorensen out there. Uh, Hitchens, mm-hmm. of course, is not going to be the game. But you did mention Willie Gay will be playing his third game as a Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, uh, also Nick Bolden, who was a rookie but leads the team in tackles. Yeah. Uh, uh, at the, you know, and so um, talk about this particular matchup because, obviously, we should. We should see uh, Traverius Ward. We should see Chris Jones back, obviously. Frank uh, Frank Clark, the media, we didn't get him this week because I definitely wanted to talk to him about uh, this matchup with uh, with Derrick Henry. But you know, if you would, let's dive into the, into this chess match: Tennessee Titans offense against the Chiefs defense. So yeah, I I, I will say this: you have to make a business decision when you go <laughs> against Derrick Henry. It's definitely each and every down. It's a business decision. And you I reference, definitely want to see Tyron. I want to see what Tyron yeah. does. All the sideline antics that he did in Washington. I want to see him put that, use that energy against Derrick Henry on Sunday. Yeah, you got. You definitely got to be calculated. You're not trying to square him up and blow him up. You're just trying to basically get him down. And I think that's the business decision. You don't want to be on the end of a stiff arm. Ooh. You don't want to be a part of a highlight or anything like that. So that's in the back of your mind. But it's something too 
what you mentioned about his, his abilities as they grow during the game. I played during the era with the big running backs and the big safeties, and Jerome Bettis came in the league oh, yeah. my same year and so on. So what the their mindset is is I'm going to make you tired of hitting me, and there's going to be a shift. Where in the beginning of the game, you're going to hit me. But as the game moves on, I'm going to hit you. And then you're gonna, in the fourth quarter, you're going to be worn down, tired of hitting me, and that's when I'm going to break free and make those big runs. That's been the game plan for big running backs since the beginning of time. If you look back in the archives of Jim Brown's film, you'll see a different type of, type of running approach in the beginning of games toward, than towards the end of the games. Um, that's where running backs make their money is in the fourth quarter. So we have to recognize that and we have to be able to put them in a position where like we did in that AFC championship where they're throwing the ball coming from behind or they are uh, moving in a position where they're becoming more predictable in the fourth quarter because you don't want to, you don't want to have nickel and dime personnel on the field and then, they start running the ball because we got smaller personnel on the field. So um, I think you just have to be calculated. It's a business decision, though. When you play against Derrick Henry, you just got to know, bring your, like they used to say, you know, you can't go bear hunting with a switch. You better bring your <laughs> lunch pail. And, and you better know that when you step into that stadium, you know, there's going to be a lot of ice buckets. There's going to be a lot of ice bags on the plane home and in the locker room. And the next day, you're going to feel – playing against Derrick Henry all the way until the next week, until the next opponent when you have the Giants coming in. Kyron Matthews, of course, as, as I mentioned, is, is uh, considered the leader of the Chiefs defense. Of course, uh, uh, Frank Clark is the highest-paid player on the team and the highest on defense. Chris Jones, I, I wanted to ask you, before we go further, just what your thoughts are on this defense and whether or not um, and I know we talked about it on another show earlier this week, but just your just your thoughts on this defense and and what it needs to do to improve. Uh, you know, obviously Chris Jones wanted to. I guess I guess he wanted to make the move, or the coaching staff wanted him to make that move to the outside of the defensive end. Outside of the first game, can't really say that that move has been a success. Uh, Frank Clark, due to injuries and, and and maybe some stuff off the field that he's, he's dealt with back in uh, dealing with from California, may have affected his play. Traverius Ward coming off of injury uh, with the hand injury. Of course, uh, now Juan Thornhill in the starting lineup after last week's uh, game with the Washington football team in for Daniel Sorensen. Just just your overall, uh, as someone who who who, who who um, calls the games for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you know, not you know, not putting you in any type of situation. But just, what are your overall thoughts on how this defense is performing? What they would need to do to get better as the season progresses? I think it's just about coming together. I mean, and I've spoken about this, and it's not making any mistakes. And who knows if it would have made this defense any better or this record any better? But you don't have a full speed Frank Clark until Week Six. You don't have. A, a, uh, a, you know, you had, you were without Tyron Matthew for the first game of the season. You've been out, you've been without your starting corner for four games. You, Chris Jones has slimmed down and moved outside, not necessarily having the success that they thought that he would have. And now you run, run into a situation where you can't really move him back in for a full dose of defensive tackle play because he's the size of a defensive end now. 
and you were expecting a lot more from Jaron Reed than I think we've gotten. So I think there's just been, but let's face it, if we go back to the Super Bowl season, the first five weeks of this defense was as dismal as you could ever think. And then they brought it together. So, you know, I think we've garnered not just on offense, not with just with Andy Reid, but you've garnered enough trust in, in Brett Veach and Steve Spagnolo based on their resume to see how this thing plays out at least until the bye. And then at the bye, we can say, okay, we're going to reevaluate the first half of the season, see where this team has been, see where their trajectory is moving forward. And then we can kind of surmise, okay, well, this is, these are the things they need to tinker with as they come down this final stretch of the season. Um, but playing against a team like the Tennessee Titans, playing against the teams that they've played in a healthy Cleveland Browns, a healthy, strong Buffalo Bills, a healthy Baltimore Ravens, uh, playoff caliber teams with the Chargers as well. Four of their six games have been against playoff caliber teams or playoff teams from the previous year. Yeah. So, like, not saying that any stretch is easy in the NFL, uh, but to, that's a handful. Like, that's really a handful. And yet you're without your stars, without your starters. And we, all, we already know what we got with Frank Clark. Like, he's, he's like postseason guy. Like, he's going to be the late season postseason guy that is going to step up and, like, he's going to have those two, three, or five plays that you're going to say, I'm glad we paid him that money. <laughs> because that's what, you know, that's what, that's what he's bringing. So uh, we just have to weather this storm. But I, I think the, the encouraging factor is Nick Bolton being a rookie and having to be leaned on early because of Willie Gay Jr.'s injury. Now you have the, after this year, Anthony Hitchens likely won't be back. And who was going to be part of your core linebackers? Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. Now we get a glimpse of that. I think Nick Bolton's position naturally is where Anthony Hitchens is, is in the middle. I think Willie Gay Jr., his first play on the field last week was a blitz. Like, that's what they want him, his presence to be an added bonus in the backfield of opponents. And you can move him around with his speed and versatility. So I like that, you know, we're going to figure out, have to figure out who that third linebacker is going to be um, until Hitchin, Hitchens comes back. But I like that we're getting young talent on the field. Juan Thornhill, uh, you know, Daniel Sorensen got 32% of the plays after basically getting 100% of the plays for the first five games. He got 32% against the Washington football team, and Juan Thornhill got his 100% plays, 59 plays total on the field for Juan Thornhill. That's only going to make our back half better. You also have, if you have Charvarius Ward, we've seen some, some playmaking from Rashad Fenton at the corner position, which we didn't know if we had. Um, and Mike Hughes has been a solid addition uh, at the defensive back position. So I think this, I think they're still rising. And if you look at different teams around the league, especially the supposed best defenses, they have plateaued. Like you've seen the best that you're going to get from them while we still have a lot to go and we're still figuring out how to win games. 
We are joined by Dana Hughes, one of the voices of the Kansas City Chiefs uh, radio broadcast. Of course, you can listen to him uh, uh, each and every game, of course, pregame, as well as, of course, just during the game itself. And we'll give him a chance to promote um, uh, his radio show, his podcast, and everything else he has going on in just a little bit. But look, before we get out of here, I'd be remiss if if we didn't touch on the special teams. Of course, the last time... Uh, these two teams played in Nashville. Harrison Bucket was four or five. Of course, he missed a kick uh, at the end of the ball game because of a, a, a miscommunication between he mm-hmm. and Dustin Colquitt. So when we look at this, uh, do you think now he's been perfect all season? He's been yeah. Uh, so we we don't want to jinx him. He's been perfect, twenty three or twenty three from point after touchdowns, six or six from field goals, uh, kicking the field goals. Just your thoughts on on his importance to the team and whether or not you think because of how this game flow might might go, uh, how big of a role do you think he'll play in Sunday's game against the Titans? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm always the of the school of thought where I love kickers. I just hope to not use them a lot because <laughs> I, I'm hoping that we score six points versus having to lean on three points. And I really think that if you look throughout the games and how the games unfold in the NFL in totality, it, the visiting team, if they're leaning on fi- field goals, they're probably losing those games because you're already behind based on just the home field advantage in most places. If you're leaning on field goals to keep points on the board, you're probably losing those games. So to me, I think you lean on, you know, kicker is probably, I wouldn't say it's the most difficult position in all of sports, but it's probably the most pressured position in all of sports because you, you can't miss one. Heck the Washington football team just cut their kicker because he missed a field goal against us last week and they elevated somebody that was on practice squad. So it's real for a kicker. So that's why I like to kind of be a, of the mindset of let's just use him minimally. He can stay at a hundred percent. He's not better than Justin Tucker. So it's not like he's going to make the pro bowl or anything like that. And, and then we can score touchdowns and lean on his extra point ability as opposed to field goals. But you never know in this kind of matchup, you never know. It came down to that. Uh, a couple of years ago during a regular season. Uh, to be honest, if you look at the end, how that game unfolded, Patrick Mahomes was hobbled. It was his first game back. First game back for me. And we had, what, third and two to seal the game. And he rolled out to his right and he had to, he threw an incomplete pass. And that's how we got the field goal unit on the field for that missed field goal. Otherwise, we seal the game. They don't get the ball back. And we, we, we would, um, you know, they don't drive the field and hit, hit their wide receiver across the middle for the go-ahead touchdown. We were ahead, and we had the ball under two minutes. Uh, actually, it was fourth and two. And then we wind up getting the ball back and missing the field goal. So um, those are circumstances that don't happen very often with the Chiefs. And, but just like it was when I, when I played with kickers, whether it was Lynn Elliott uh, or Pete Stojanovic, or Nick Lowry, they're expected to do their job 100% of the time. That's that's yeah. their only focus. And, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But I have confidence in Bucker that he can get it done. Uh, keys to the game for the Chiefs to pull this out. Because one of the things that they haven't done yet this season is put together consecutive wins. So what do they need to do Sunday at uh, Nissan Stadium to get their second win in a row? So I haven't put my full keys together. So my, these keys might be different than what I, what I present on, on KSHB later in the week and then on the pregame show with Mitch before the game. But I'm going to say build off of the final 30 
that's the number one. The final 30 minutes of the game against the Washington football team, build off of that. Um, carry that same kind of attitude, the same kind of energy, uh, the same kind of uh, just approach to sealing a football game and taking control of it the way they did. They took a stranglehold of that game after having a dismal first half. It's kind of like a boxer's mentality where you take so many hooks, so many jabs, you get yourself backed into a corner, you got this decision to make. You're either going to come out swinging or you're going to fold. Um, I think also rally tackling. I don't want to see one or two people around Derrick Henry. I want to see four or five helmets around Derrick Henry, two of them trying to bring him down, two of them trying to take the ball. Get him focused on not running as hard and protecting the football and as opposed to running it through people and stiff arming. So I want to see that. And I, and also, every like I said just a few minutes ago, anytime you're on the road, score touchdowns. Yeah. Score touchdowns in this game, and I think we'll, you complete those three keys and we'll be victorious. One of the things we haven't talked about is going to be the fan aspect. Uh, again, I, I do believe there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans down there. Uh, the Chiefs is just a popular team. There are there are people who live in Nashville that are fans of Kansas City Chiefs. I think it's going to be a big, big ball game. Of course, the Titans having a better record in Kansas City doesn't hurt in the course of that big Monday night win. Uh, will also serve to have a hot crowd there uh, for both teams uh, overall. Uh, Danon, um, I guess I'll just ask you, who wins the game Sunday? I think the Chiefs win. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I kind of feel like it'll be a 10-point win from the Chiefs. I'm going to say 31-21 Chiefs, uh, and then we'll be able to, to ride safely into that Monday night game against the New York Giants. So I, I, I'm confident that I kind of feel like we are 3-3, three and three, and we're in a situation where we can be 5-3 and three by the time we face the Packers. And I think oh, that's yeah. a good position to be in. Uh, so these are two very winnable games, and I'm confident that our guys will get it done. And uh, you can listen to it on our broadcast with Mitch Holtis and myself, uh, 106.5 The Wolf, uh, on the Odyssey app all across the country. My parents and friends listen to it in New Jersey uh, and all across the country. And, um, you know, and then I'm, you can follow me on Twitter at DAHughesGuy83. Same thing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Dana Hughes on Instagram as well. And I got my players only show that we do on Odyssey with Sean Barber each Thursday night from six to seven. And uh, looking forward to chopping it up with Barbershop about this past Chiefs win and then this coming game as well, just like we're doing. Dana, look, man, you know, I appreciate you. appreciate your time. I do want to let people know that if you uh, if you don't somehow have the Odyssey app, you can listen to Dana and call the Chiefs game on Sirius Channel 206, uh, mm-hmm. XM Channel 386, and the Sirius XM app, Channel 815. So, of course, uh, again, Dana Hughes, Mitch Holtis, along with uh, Mac McMullen on, on the sideline. So, JC, uh, not JC, I apologize, but Dana, <laughs> look, man, really, 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 really appreciate your time. Um, you know, we'll have to do this again soon as we inch closer to the to the playoffs and we'll see what the Chiefs looking like week 15. Hopefully they're playing their best football during that time. But safe travels to you, of course. I'll see you uh, this weekend when we get to Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, for Dan and Hughes, I want to thank everyone for joining me on the Believe Podcast uh, Network with the Believe in Kansas City Sports with Darren Smith. We'll be back following the Chiefs game on Sunday. Until then, we're out of here. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.